Episode 26 of Ford the Hamlet. My name's Ben Sibley. There's no Hugo Greenhouse in this intro due to the fact that we totally forgot to record one last night, but don't you worry, he is present for the rest of the podcast. In this episode, South London hardcore's Jack McInroy speaks to his dad about an exhibition at Dulwich Hamlet. We also hear from Aspire Academy graduate Jamie Maskell and First off, we speak to Phil Wilson on the day of his birthday. Here's Phil. (laughs) (laughs) On you. (laughs) Happy birthday, Phil. Thank you. Thank you very much. Good day? Yeah, can't argue with that, can you? Very little to do in a clean sheet. That's what you want when you're 33. 33, is it? 33, yeah. He said it was 25 only. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd get away with 26. Or was it? Reese believed it was 26. <laughs> That's fine, yeah, surely yeah. believe in that. <laughs> if you say so, yeah. You're a fines master, actually, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. How's that going? Um, it's all right, yeah. We've got um, a first night out coming up soon, so we're, uh, we're healthy for, uh, for a budget for that. Where are you heading? <laughs> yeah, um... I'm going to leave it quiet for now. <laughs> I don't know is the answer. So. Right. Are we, but, think, are we yeah. thinking meal and then drinks? Or? Uh, just drinks, I think. <laughs> no, <laughs> just, just straight no. to the point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Last time we caught up with you was January. Yeah. You invited us round. Great host. Thank you Thank for that. You. Thank you. And uh, since then... The Christmas birthday. decorations are down. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Nice <laughs> Not bad. <laughs> since then, an awful lot has happened. We haven't yeah. really spoken to you since. Um, end of last season was a bit disappointing again. How, yeah. How was yeah, that? Yeah, very disappointing. Um, it was... I mean, it was strange anyway in just the, the sense and how the whole thing was handled with the long long gap between the last game of the season and the, the playoff semi-final. Um, I think we actually went into the game. We, we trained all the way through that that's such a weird Um, situation just waiting for one game it was very strange yeah for one game and then um, obviously I was quite disappointed with the first goal personally Um, I think I shouldered the blame there Um, and then and then yeah kind of it was a bit of an anti-climax really um, to to lose that that semi-final I didn't really think they were that much better than us on the night. It was a strange game, wasn't it? It was, it was. And I think, yeah, the gap certainly didn't help. And, and yeah, I mean, the whole thing felt a little bit farcical, but but you have to kind of play with what you dealt with. It was the same for both teams at the end of the day. Um, And I think perhaps their their experience showed at the end of the season to to kind of do just enough to get up. And over the summer, you, off the record the other week, admitted that you had lost weight. (laughs) And yeah, it has to admit, it shows on the pitch. <laughs> I said to you at the time, it shows on the pitch. Yeah, yeah. You're more springy. But then I think since then, I think that was, that was the last clean sheet I kept since then. So. <laughs> <laughs> I did think that one point. Yeah. That was the Hampton FA Cup game. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was. Although, we, like, we did start a season with quite a few clean sheets. Yeah, we've, I mean, we've done all right. Um, I don't really know what, what to kind of put the, the leaks in because we looked really solid um, for those four or five games. 
uh, where we kept clean sheets. Um, and I, I don't think I don't think it's it's necessarily a defence kind of a back four issue. In, in perhaps a, I think there's a couple where where runners have been let go and, and not following into the box. So, quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think again, there's an element with the way that we play that we, we expose ourselves to that. Um, so, and, and I mean, we are still a relatively new team, kind of getting to know each other, getting together. And I'd say, even though, even kind of, it seems to be today was the exception. I don't think there was a kind of weak period in the game today, but all the other games has been kind of a 10 minute, 15 minute shaky period. Farnborough. Uh, Farnborough, yeah, yeah. I think end of VCD game, we switched off twice. Yeah. Um, and even even the Met game, it's, it's kind of. Perhaps just two errors defensively that, that have kind of cost us there um, in a game that, although we know we could have done better, we actually still dominated and had chances to win the game. So, as you say, it is a relatively new team. Yeah. How does this squad compare to to recent seasons that you've played in? Um, it's got a good feeling about it. There's, I mean, there's not ever been a team that I haven't enjoyed playing with at Dulwich, but it definitely seems to be a lot more team unity this year. I think with the with the experienced players that have been brought in, have come in, and, and everyone's getting on very well with each other. Um, there just seems there seems to be a bit more togetherness this year. Um, dare I say it, that's a little bit kind of similar to the the year, the year that we came up into this division. So, so that's that's a good feeling, and, and I think everyone's everyone's goal is is a team goal. Um, there's kind of less again without want to dig people out at all, but I think. Naturally, some people have their own individual goals that, that comes ahead of a team. You f- feel like we're everyone in the team this year. Their goal is to get the team promoted, so that's, uh, that's kind of a nice feeling. And, and I say, just the general, general um, kind of feeling in the dressing room is pretty good this year. Another big change is the size of the team as well. The, the height, of the average height of the team has gone up two or three inches just over the summer because <laughs> when they Caddy was just saying just now off the record that when they were walking out he was catching yeah. up with an old friend and when the team was walking out he turned to me and went Caddy what's this like, compared, to, <laughs> compared to previous Dulwich yeah. over the last I three mean, or I four don't, years I don't know what, what the um, obviously we Why is there get insight foot? on that um, but yeah I mean now you mention it, you kind of think about side now, even yeah. the back four. Look along the back four, actually, it's a, it's a physically a big back four. Yeah. Um, I think Jacob up front as well has come in, um, and, and kind of especially when he's come on today when the defence are tired, he's a big big boy to deal with up front. Um, so you could see that his strength and hold up play um, has been really good, and I think also kind of the more more minutes he gets and, and kind of gets over his, his injuries earlier in the season, I think he's going to be a big asset. There was a save a couple of games ago here at Champion Hill, and I'm trying to wrap my brain to think of who it was against. It might be Billericke. It was, it was Tom Derry. Yeah, yeah. And it was point blank yeah. range. Can't that remember. Hit, not, did it hit I'm your not, arm or your yeah. face? It was my arm. It was your arm. Yeah. So it was, it was a proper <laughs> yeah. save. It was a good save, yeah. I'll take that. <laughs> I can't believe it, Dan Aaron. We didn't know what happened. Because yeah. <laughs> we're that far away, we yeah. couldn't see what really yeah. happened. And then when you watch the replay online, yeah, it was incredible. Did you it's, know um, much about it? Or did you just? You I mean, you, it was always an element of being a little bit lucky in moments like that. But yeah, I'm not meant to say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I knew exactly what was happening, and I wanted it to go over the bar. I knew where the ball went. Yeah. And I finished. Yeah. <laughs> Disappointed. You'd watched him in training. So, yeah. <laughs> 
Speaking of amazing saves, Tuesday night when that police came in and robbed yeah, us. Absolutely. That save in the last minute from Tom ago. Williams. Yeah, yeah. That yeah, was, it was brilliant. I mean, Dan, if Danny could have kept it on the floor, I don't think he would have saved it. I don't know why he went so high. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Always keep it low, yeah, surely. Did you know at the time? It was a brilliant save. It was. I actually, I thought he had a fantastic game on Tuesday night. There was a couple of saves in the first half as well that were really good, Um, and there was one other. I can't think exactly what it was. One in the second half, tipped over the bar. Yeah. Um, So I mean, I think, like I say, although I don't think we played particularly well, or I think they worked hard on us on Tuesday night. (laughs) Um, We had chances to win, and he's won them the games. Kind of, that's what you play for as a keeper is those those kind of one or two games a season where you'll do that. Um, so yes, yeah, so he was he was top quality on, on Tuesday. And we're not just a couple of months into the football season; we're also a couple of months into the academic year. <laughs> How's that going? It's great. Half terms next week. Can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> it's going that well. Then. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm on my knees already. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, over the summer during pre-season, when we were on our way to Whiteleaf. Uh, yeah. Michael, one of the Belich fans, is wearing the, the famous <laughs> T-shirt. And there are a few kids on our yeah, train as well who were sort of like yeah. uh, Phil Wilson legend. Is it Kiefer Libra legend? Yeah, 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 it yeah. is. That T-shirt. Yeah. And um, we, we, we were getting these sort of giant, like these kids whispering to each other <laughs> the train. We thought, oh, are they? Maybe Michael like, thought they were going to Yeah, they were about to kick off or something. Yeah. And they just came over quite sheepishly and were like... Uh, that's our PE teacher. <laughs> Can we have a photo? <laughs> well, I was on holiday when it when um, I think when it was done, and then kind of you know when you're on holiday and you don't have you can't don't quite get internet everywhere. Yeah, yeah. So I'd been out and then came back <laughs> and home and just loads of messages. What is this? <laughs> it must be quite surreal. Imagine for quite a few players at this level who you know you have a day job, yeah, and yet there's someone in like Dulwich who's got a photo of you on his t-shirt. It's like, a special. I think it's a special. Thing particularly at Dulwich, I mean, kind of. I don't want to think how many years I've been playing non-league football now, and, and Sutton were considered a big club, but it's nothing like what's happening here now, and, and kind of more and more people that come into games. Obviously, it does it does have that kind of feel of a bit more of a professional element, and, and yeah, kind of you're not we're not we're all we all have our other jobs and things to do. So it is it is it's nice. Um, it, I can't say it's not got me a little bit of stick <laughs> that picture from school. But, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's it's still nice to have. Yeah. Is that is it a bigger pressure when there's bigger crowds and it's more substantial, um, or is it the opposite? Is it no? Um, I mean, I'd, I'd like to think for the majority that, that now again with a more experienced squad as well. I think it's a nice thing to come and play in front of a thanks, mate, um, in front of a, a bigger crowd and certainly kind of, I don't know how many times I'm going to say this is the last one, but enjoying playing in front of big crowds kind of at the end of my career is a nice, really nice thing. So at the end of your career, yeah? Yes. Surely. I'm scared to say, you know, I'll keep going for years and years. And then, 33 <laughs> to peak would be brisbane. You've got another three or four, yeah. We'll see, we'll see. What do you reckon? Do you reckon he'll continue? I'd love him to. He sounded so sure that he wouldn't be when we spoke to him last season. But it's great to see him Still, put, still going, and he's playing some of the best best form I've I've known. I think he mentioned that the increased crowds and quote, to quote him, what's happening at Dulwich seems to have given him quite the lift. Yeah, definitely. He it might have needed because, like you said, he seemed 
quite tired at points last season. Yeah, he's he's had a long career, even though, as as we've touched upon, 33 is quite young for a keeper. He's been playing for a while, and um, I, I can I can see why it might get a bit bit labouring, you know, playing at these same grounds again and again. Yeah. But um, no, he, he seems to be really enjoying it at the moment, and um, who can blame him with the the things that are happening at the moment? And it's shown on the pitch as well, I think, this season. I mentioned he seems a bit more springy and a bit more athletic. And uh, he's pulled off a couple of saves this season, which perhaps last season he just wouldn't have done. Yeah. And as we mentioned in that interview, you know, he, he has he has spent a bit of time on the physical side of his of his game. Lost a bit of weight. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's showing, isn't it, to... To our advantage, yeah, and as, especially as an as a more experienced player in the team, I think that him being more positive about things and perhaps even performing better than he did last season, even though he was you know he wasn't exactly out of form last season, that can only help the team when especially when you've got a lot of new players coming through. Um, to pick out a couple, Josh Fernandez, we spoke to the other week. Mm-hmm. And Jamie Maskell as well. We played a lot in pre-season. He played against Staines as well the other week. Um, so I think it has an overall very positive effect when the, when the more experienced players in the squad are kind of more engaged again. Absolutely, yeah. It's important to have leaders like throughout the team across the pitch, and Phil is the guiding light at the back, isn't he? Yeah, and. Uh, just before we spoke to Phil Wilson, we also spoke to Jamie Maskell. This was after the Brentwood game and we won 4-0. Jamie Maskell's first time on the mic. And uh, here he is. Jamie Maskell, hello. Hello, you're right. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. So uh, you've graduated, well, almost fully graduated from the Aspire Academy this season. Kind of around the first team. How are you finding it? Um, it's good, you know. So, um, I'm enjoying it. The challenge, stepping up, um, sort of. The difference in level is crazy, so getting used to it takes some time, but I mean, it's worth it and I'm enjoying it. Compared. How was last season? You had a pretty good, successful year with the, with the youth team? Yeah, we won, what, we won both leagues. Um, youth Cup run didn't go too well. Um, disappointing because we got stronger towards the end of the season, I felt so. But I'm happy to win both leagues and, like, and we're still playing with some boys, so, like Josh Fernandez, still with him. So it's good to be with around him. Yeah. How many games did you lose last season? How many games did we lose? Oh. Isn't it one? <laughs> we lost none? one game. One. We lost one game in, on Wednesday league and none, in, none on Sunday. We didn't lose. So yeah, two leagues. One, one loss. Not too bad, is it? What, why is that? Why do you think the youth team is so strong compared to other teams that you play against and that you used to play against? I, I think it's because everybody knows that um, Daniel Chamlet always... They're known for playing quite young players and they're being linked to their first team sort of thing. So there's a lot of clubs that don't play their youth team players. They have no involvement at all. So I think a lot of players who get released come down. So Sean Mason, he was released from Fordham, he came down into the um, to 16s because he knows that he's linked. So we're all together and everyone's got, they bring in a lot of players and they're all, all good. Were you, were you captain of that? Sorry. I wasn't, I wasn't. Did you ever captain? Never. Huh? I don't know why. I don't think I was <laughs> captain, but no. Not, I didn't get given the captaincy role, so... But, you know... Who was captain last season? Last season was Sean Mason. 
And this season, uh, like we said, you've kind of started being around the first team. Yeah. You played quite a few games in pre-season. Yeah. Scored a peach of a goal against Charlton here at Champion Hill. How was that? I mean, it's a great feeling because I was only on the pitch for no longer than five minutes. And I wanna, I'm trying to prove myself to that, show that I'm ready. And obviously, it's still learning and taking time to get like, develop. But I mean, I'm ready. I want to play and it shows that I was... But I mean, the feeling was great. I mean... And the fans, had so many fans every week, it's, it's incredible. You're playing in front of no one last season and now all these people turn up and they're great, so yeah. Do you think, what's the bigger challenge? Is it the players you're facing on the pitch or the situation which you're playing? Situ- so in front of more, more people. I enjoy it. Not a lot of people, well, some people might not enjoy it. I enjoy playing in front of people, so I think it's, uh, I think it's the... The players would have been a bigger challenge. So you're playing against more experienced players. So a lot of the league, a lot of players in the league have come down from the football league, and so, like we, we have a lot of Premiership players in the team, and loads of players that have come down. So you're playing against much greater opponents, and so yeah, it helps you develop. But it's a bit of a challenge. Who are you learning off at the moment in, in training and stuff? Is there anyone who? There's a lot of players. I think yeah. they're, all, they're all great lads. You got the Damien Scannells who play like the Reese, even Reese, he's a young boy, and watching him like. You can see what he does, but there's a lot of players. He's playing in Barcelona. Yeah, it's a lot, it's, it, it means a lot to watch them and learn off them. They're great players. And who do you think you're most similar in playing style to at Dulwich? Or your own? You, I think I'm man. pretty. I think I'm pretty unique. You know, I think I've got a, a unique style. I don't think. What is that style? Oh, it's a bit of everything. You know, I, I think a lot of players have one. I have athletic or technical. I think I can run, and I don't mind the ball at my feet. So I think it's a bit of mixture. I'm happy with it. What's your favourite position? Oh, that's a tricky one. Um, You've played quite a few positions I've played already. quite a few positions. Um, I'd have to say the 10 role, so behind the striker. Yeah, really? I, like, I like playing in there. I mean, I'm comfortable there. I like being in the ball. So that's where you see a lot of the ball and running in behind. I like scoring as well. So, yeah, I think the 10 role would be the one. I don't mind, as I said, right wing or left wing because I like to come back. Yeah, attacking. You I played like, a bit of fullback as well. I did, I did. Um, it started off me do, like helping out because when I first came, there wasn't no one who could play left back at the time. So I've done it to develop my defending as well as helping the, um, the squad out. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't mind it, but I mean I've always enjoyed attacking more than defending. So and I like, as I said, scoring and helping like create goals. So I'd always say attacking is my favourite position. In pre-season, you scored a free kick at Beckenham. Yeah. Did you take free kicks for the youth team? I did. I scored quite a few free kicks for the youth team actually. Um, three or four maybe last season. I'm comfortable taking free kicks, but obviously you lot team Ash Carew can do. I mean, I don't see myself taking a free kick if he's on the pitch because what he does is incredible. So. He's told us, and a few other people have told us, that he doesn't practice in training. Is no. that true? I don't think he practices. I think he's natural. <laughs> I mean, when he steps up, you automatically think he's going in. Like, it's incredible his technique and nah, watching that. I practice, so he, but he doesn't. So, you know, I said something. And when did you join Aspira? Um, Under-16s. So I left um, Cray Wanderers. Um, oh, you're crying. Yeah, to join at under-16s, and I've been here ever since. So, yeah, played a bit of under-18s football when I was in the under-16s. So that was good. Like I was playing a higher level, and when I was in the 18s, I played a few times last season in the first team, so under reserve. So, um, yeah, knowledge, under-16s. And there's a connection, there's a massive connection, obviously, between the youth team here at Dalek, the Aspire team and the first team. Yeah. And a big link of that is Junior Caddy. Yeah. How, how big of a part has he played? Oh, he's, yeah, he's been great. I mean, he's always, he's always been like, I, I think he's quite harsh on me, but it's always, cause I think he knows what I can do, and he always tells me that. So I, know, I think he realizes. But I mean, he's he played a big role, so helping, helping me step up and sort of stay up. 
So it's not just all about getting into the team or whatever playing once, it's about staying in the team and staying positive when you're not in the team sort of thing. So he's been saying to me recently about being like staying patient and yeah, he's played a big role. And Gavin Rose's style is quite subdued, like he doesn't shout very much, doesn't raise his voice, he's quite calm. Yeah. Do you feel that that's a positive effect on the players? Does that help? I think it does help um, when he just um, speaks to you after the game or before the game and lets you know what he wants and how he feels rather than shouting at you on the pitch. Um, as different players react different ways and um, just being shouted at sometimes isn't the best for some players, but I think so. his approach is quite helpful. Team seems quite unified at the moment. Do you think it's like a good atmosphere in the dressing room? It's a good atmosphere. Um, getting the wins in, obviously, last resort wasn't the best, but um, other than that, we've been getting our results in, and it's quite a good. It's a good. It's a good dressing room. Good feeling. Everyone's quite together. A lot of new boys came in this year, but I think we've gelled. Well, we're still gelling, but I mean, we're getting there now. So, yeah, positive. And do you see yourself now as like a bit of a role model for some of the younger guys in the youth team that you know you can be in the setup now? Yeah, um, I do. I train occasionally with the youth team when I can, um, and I think they do sometimes. Like they'll look up to you, and they'll see that it's possible. I haven't done the greatest amount of things yet, but I mean they know that you can be in and around, and that keep working hard sort of thing. Yeah. And across the season, we will. Dulwich will need to use a, you know, the squad of players. There's an awful lot of games. Yep. By the end of the season, what would you be happy with? How many appearances? Do you have a goal? Would you like to make as many appearances as possible? You... As many, uh, obviously, as many as possible. I don't have a, a goal or set target because I don't know when I'll start. But I do know once I get in a team, I want to stay in a team. Um, and that's, that's up to me, really. Because if I'm playing, I'm doing well, it's going to be hard to take me out of the team. And that's what I'm, I'm ready to do. So... Once I do get the shirt, it's going to be hard to take off me. You mentioned earlier the crowd here is massive because yeah. uh, academy game is very small, yeah. so it's a huge, huge jump in the amount of people that you're playing in front of. Do you think that gives the team an advantage at home games over other teams? Definitely, league? definitely. Um, they get behind you wherever the result. When we go down, when we're up, this, when you hear them, it's all, it definitely helps you out. It's great. Are you and Josh quite close? Like you both came up through Aspire together. Um, I think you, you you develop a bond automatically, sort of thing. Like um, two seasons together in the youth team, and you come up, and it's sort of someone to talk to because you're in the same similar sort of situation. So, I mean, talking to the older boys is great because you get experience. But talking to someone who's sort of in your same situation, it helps you. So we do talk quite a lot. We're quite close, um, definitely in football, and we like sort of rely on each other, help each other out. If he's not doing well or not feeling the best, I'll pick him up. He'll pick me up. Um, Letting him know when he's doing well, he lets him know. So yeah, I mean, yeah, we're quite quite close. So that was Jamie Maskell's very first for the Hamlet interview. And I thought he did very well. I thought he did very well too. He's a he's a really interesting guy to talk to. He's got a very infectious character about him. And uh, just when you're speaking to him, you can hear sort of his, his enthusiasm for the game. And clearly, he's got a lot of confidence in his ability, which is is always great to see in a youngster. Yeah, and. Um, Unfortunately, by the podcast platform, you can't always tell when someone might be constantly smiling through an interview. However, he was. He was clearly enjoying himself. Um, and I think that only bodes well for his future at Dulwich. He's only 18. This is his first season out of the Aspire Academy youth team. Um, and having that kind of confidence, especially when, as he, as he said, a lot of the players have dropped down from the Football League in this current squad. And he's clearly got the confidence to deal with that, and he's clearly got faith in junior caddy as well. 
which again, being you know a, a young guy coming up through the ranks, it's important to have conf- you know confidence in your mentors. So he just seems to be switched on in all areas. Yeah, I think there was an instance last season in this great youth team at Dulwich where he'd scored a, a particularly good goal from long range that had been captured on film. And you know, normally we'd, we'd like to look out for these things and pick up on them and share them so so the more people can see them better. But he got in touch with us and he sent it to us, being like, oh, I, I scored this goal at the weekend. I don't know if you saw it. There, yeah, cheers, Jamie. We'd be more than happy to share it. Like, and what a goal it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it kills me that we forgot. Uh, but afterwards, I can't remember who it was who mentioned at Whiteleaf. Um, Duncan. In fact, the very same Whiteleaf game you mentioned uh, to Phil earlier. Uh, in the summer, in pre-season, it was Duncan, wasn't it? And uh, Jamie Maskell played against Whiteleaf, and uh, it just so happened that that weekend was my birthday, and I had a friend down from Milton Keynes who brought with him a box of Thornton's special sh- selection chocolates. He was handing them out during the game, and at final whistle, um, even though I mean, we lost four-two, didn't we? Probably the worst performance of pre-season, unfortunately. But uh, Jamie Maskell headed on over after we offered him a chocolate over the, uh, the barrier by the side of the pitch. I can't, it, I can't remember which one he took, which really frustrates me. Which one do you reckon he took? What, what kind of chocolate do you think, do you think Jamie Maskell goes for? So know something a little bit rough around the edges with a sweet inside? You reckon? I'm, but, not, I'm not entirely sure that that exists. No, it's not really a deal with chocolates, is it? They're all sweet. Um, I don't know. Get in touch if you uh, if you have any ideas. Oh, Mask. After the interview, you asked us when this was going out, so you're probably listening. So, can you remember what was the chocolate that you took from us that day? Because you seemed to quite enjoy it. Uh, anyway, we should probably start talking about chocolates. Uh, but again, yeah, Jamie. Jamie was a uh, great to interview. Confident young player. Very good young player. If you've not seen him play, he is, as he mentioned, he is good on the ball. He's a technical player, left-footed. Uh, he's quite tall, actually. He's probably over six foot. As he's mentioned, he's played left-back. Uh, he's played further up the field. He sees himself as more of a number 10. So hopefully, you know, given his many attributes, which there clearly are, he will get a chance this season. Yeah, well, that's, uh, let's hope that's not the last time we'll... Uh... Now, we have a very, very interesting piece for you uh, coming up. Recently, we recorded a match day at Dulwich. Um, So that was from walking to the ground, meeting people before the game, and uh, taking in the warm-up, taking in the pre-match music, of of which the pick of the bunch was Boney M. Rasputin. Out of ten, what would you give that song? It's a solid seven. Easily. It was, in fact, the first song I played this year on New Year's Eve at midnight. Well, what a way to see in the year. I'm sure that's what Rasputin would have wanted. Could not believe when I heard it. Come on. Um, so, yeah, we recorded the whole game um, against VCD. So, after the wonders of uh, Boney M, you then heard bits from the game. I managed to catch uh, Jacob Erskine's goal. So, you heard a the goal and the chance of the crowd and then um, 
we had a bit of conversation after the game and we managed to speak to the goals, not goal, yeah, goal scorer, Josh Fernandez, mm-hmm. his first goal. Um, and then also included that day was the opening uh, of an exhibition that, that marks Black History Month. Um, it's the first time, I think it's the first time the club have done anything to mark the month. Um, and the Hamlet historian himself, Jacko McInroy, has curated this exhibition and it's, it's up in the clubhouse. It was launched uh, that day before the BCD game. And uh, Yeah, so we heard words from uh, Mishy Morath, yeah. Jack McInroy himself and Gavin Rose, who uh, formally opened the exhibition, which is uh, on the wall of the clubhouse as you come in on, on the right. Um, and we thought it'd be a good idea to uh, find out a bit more about it. So our uh, our founder and benefactor, Jack McEnroe Jr. We also mentioned during that VCD episode that some people weren't entirely sure who he was. Yeah. So he, Jack McEnroe Jr. is uh, did he f- he found South London Hardcore? Yep. With Steve Walsh, mm-hmm. I'm not entirely sure. Was it twenty? What year was it? I can't remember. Let's was this side of 2010? Let's say, yeah, yeah. Um, you know the the go to South London podcast, which really I think left quite a a mark on the on the podcasting scene. South London born and bred. Yeah. Huge, huge knowledge of the area, huge interest in the area. Yeah, uh, and Jack and Steve really sort of taking the lead in in the South London podcasting scene, which we like to think we're continuing with. And it's been good to see Jack around again. Uh, he spoke to his dad about the exhibition, and we think this is a really enlightening chat that you guys will enjoy. You're here. Primarily about um, Egyptian legend, using the term correctly, second time in a week, Hussein Hagazi, who played for Dulwich in the early, very early 20th century. Originally, Jacko McInroy thought this was just, a, you know, just a, an Egyptian player who happened to play for Dulwich. On further investigation. It turned out that he was actually uncovering somewhat of a jewel. To celebrate Black History Month, you've put together a photo exhibition commemorating various achievements of Dulwich's black players, past and present. Who's represented in the exhibition? Well, Mishy Maraf asked me to put together something. He gave me a list of some of the black players that had achieved stuff and moved on to other places. And there were other things like the Nigerian team that came over in 1949 and played at Champion Hill. And a film that was made by the FA in the early 60s, I think it was, and was sent out to Commonwealth countries, including the West Indies and and, and parts of Africa. So this list we, we whittled down from about 12 or 14 down to 8. And one one of the panels that we were going to put together. We've made it into a number of footballers from Dulwich moved on to higher clubs, so we were able to put them all in, in one piece. But we kept the Nigerian thing and we went right back to Hussein Aghazi, 
the first African footballer to play for Dudley Chamberlain. And we brought it right up to the present day to Nyren Clunis and Gavin Rose, the present um, manager, and some of their achievements as well. So it's quite widespread. This is more than just a representation of black players that have played for Dunwich over the years. There's players with real historical significance, like Benjamin Adigi, for example. Yeah, oh, Benjamin Adigi, yeah. It was before my time. I, I started going to see Dunwich in 1981, and he was around four or five years before that. Um, he was at Dulwich for a brief spell in the mid-70s. But he's significant because he is the first black uh, England player at any level. So I think we we have Viv Anderson from the late 70s. He was the first black England player. But this guy was the first player to represent England at any level. And he played for England in the early 70s. England schoolboys, and I think he made five appearances. Um, and and you can find him on YouTube. There there are some clips of him uh, talking about those uh, days and and what he's doing now. I think now he he's sort of a coach teaching uh, young children football. So, but yeah, quite an historical character, and he he had a spell at Dulwich. And going back to Hussein Hagazi. He's a bit of a hero of mine, really. I came across him when I was doing some research into the early days of the club, you know, going back to the early 1900s. Uh, and I came across this name, Hussein Aghazi, and he's someone that I've never heard of, never read about in any publications that we put out, never seen his name mentioned in, in the history of Dulwich in, in other programmes uh, from other clubs we play. And I looked into all the games that he played at the representative level you know, as well as uh, Dulwich games so he ended up playing for the, you know, a couple of games for the Corinthians he played for Cambridge University he played for the London FA he even played one game for Fulham and, but most, most of the time he spent, he spent was at Dulwich he spent three years as an amateur with uh, Dulwich Hamlet before the First World War and when I was trying to find out a bit more about him I got in touch with the Egyptian embassy in London to find out the the address I could write to for the Egyptian FA to see if they knew anything about this obscure player. And um, they said, well, what's his name? So I said, well, you've never heard of him because it, before, it was so long ago, before the First World War, and he was an amateur player and he played for the little-known Dulwich Hamlet at the time. He said, yeah, but what was his name? So I said, Hussein Aghazi. And the guy at the other end of the phone at the Egyptian embassy said, Hussein Aghazi is one of Egypt's greatest ever players. And I was sort of taken aback, really. And uh, and then I got in touch with the Egyptian FA and they sent me some stuff about him. And it turns out that he was very important um, in the the rise of the Egyptian national team. Um they went to the 1920, 24, 28 Olympic Games and he was uh, the, the manager and the captain uh, for some of that, that time. And the great rivalry that we have today between the two Cairo clubs, um, Zamalek and Al-Akli, really originates from him because he started at one club and then he moved to the other club and, and he took all the fans with him because they thought he was so great. And then he moved back and he, he was at 
both clubs for a couple of spells. And that really started, it really fired the rivalry that existed then. And it's one of the, the, um, one of the biggest derbies in the world. The exhibition goes right up to the present with some names that are still at the club. Yeah, people like Gavin Rose and, um, and Nyron Clunas. G- Gavin Rose, of course, is the first black manager at Dulwich Hamlet. And he's now the longest serving Dulwich Hamlet manager. So uh, that's quite significant. And also you've got uh, Nyron Clunas, who has now played over 250 games for the club. And he's, he, he's, he's up there now. He, he could be in the top... Um, uh, he's certainly in the top 20 players, uh, post-war players, for appearances. And, you know, he's, he's, and he's only young. I don't know what he is. What is he, 23, 24? Something like that. And, he, and I like him. He, he, he's one of my favourite players. I, I voted for him a couple of times as um, Player of the Year. I like him a lot. I think he's a great player. Do you have a personal favourite from the exhibition? Well, my personal favourite would be Joseph Odigbami. He's He was such a wonderful player, fantastic dribbler of a ball. Um, everybody who watched him at the time used to rave about him. And even today, talking to people at the game, people were still talking about how great he was and how he would easily get into their all-time Dulwich eleven. Probably the best player I've ever seen um, at Dulwich, and that includes Erwin Ostuma, who was phenomenal. Um, but this guy, Joseph Odegbami, was absolutely incredible. Um, he was formed part of the Wits, Willie and Joe partnership. So you had Joseph Odegbami and uh, Willie Lillington and Paul Whitmarsh, and together those three. It was pr- probably one of the greatest times watching Dulwich Hamlet. They were absolutely amazing. Strangely enough, Joseph Odegbami's brother, Shegan, who is probably classed as, as um, one of the top three Nigerian internationals of all time, he is going for the Sepp Blatter's job when Sepp Blatter leaves. He's mm. going to go for the FIFA president. Which may be very soon. <laughs> yeah, because sooner the better, I think. Um, but he certainly got his name down. Joe is the better player, of course, out of the two brothers. If you'd like to see the full exhibition, it's up in the bar and will be up till the end of October. So towards the end there, Jack and McElroy reckons that Joseph Odegbami, Nigerian striker in the 90s for the Hamlet, was better than Erhan Oztuma. And, you know, for newer fans, including ourselves, a player who played for Dulwich who's rated to be better than Erhan Oztuma is somewhat incredible given the feats of Erhan on the pitch in those several seasons he was with the club. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, hearing about this guy is, sounds amazing that he, he was at Dulwich, like a, a Nigerian international um, whose brother was very reputable as well. Um, brother played 20, 30 times for the Nigerian national team, I think. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Joe, no stranger to that team team either. So, uh, yeah, really interesting to hear uh, hear about our, our history um, as a club because um, I think it's important to understand like that. Yeah, and I think that's... It is an important part of essentially us as what, what we try to do 
to give people insight into the club. It's not just the people who are currently connected to the club, it's the history of the club as well. And I think it's specifically important, or particularly important, because there's often the claim from those who are perhaps not... Um, not on board with you know new fans going to new clubs and kind of taking them on as their second team or you know their first team or whatever, and you know they claim that they have no interest in the history of the club. They're just turning up and it's completely different how it used to be. But I, I and you, we're both genuinely interested in the history of the club because it is incredibly interesting and it's significant. And I think it's important that we do cover that and we do bring it to people who might not be aware of it. Yeah, definitely. Like it's. It must be nice for the older fans that players like Willie Lillington and are still, you know, sung about on the terraces. And you know, we heard him mentioned in that interview there that you know these guys were teammates, and you know, it all, it all filters back into the, the club identity. Yeah, and the first player, you know, that Jacko mentioned then, and what he was mainly speaking about was Hussein Hagazi. Imagine having that moment when you're researching this, as I said before, this player who you don't expect to be any big name and then you phone up the Egyptian embassy and all of a sudden it turns out that this guy is one of the main reasons why Egypt took on the game of football as as passionately as it has done. He mentioned Zamalek and Al-Athli and you know, this guy was, was part of that initial um, period in Egyptian football. I mean, it that must have been an incredible realization. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and that's that's testament to the to the research that Jacko's done. And I've really enjoyed reading some of his other articles on on the blog he has, Hamlet Historian, and in his fanzine as well, because it really is a labour of love that he's he's taken the time to to read up on these guys that could be forgotten otherwise and were forgotten. In the case of his own Gazi. yeah, and it 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 still hits me, you know, the huge history of of the club. I mean, it's you have Edgar Kale, who was the last, was he the last amateur player to play for England. Um, I mean, the Hamlet went on a tour of Holland in the early nineteen tens and beat Ajax. They beat Ajax. I think they beat Sparta Rotterdam. I think they beat another team. And, you know, this is, it's incomparable to the majority of non-league clubs in the country and also some league clubs. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. And I think the name Dalit Hamlet resonates in, in people who, who know about football because it, it has a historical association. But it's, it's interesting to hear about you know, the real stories behind these characters and behind those these former teams. Yeah, we hope you enjoyed it. We hugely enjoyed uh, Jack's chat with his dad then. It was great to hear his voice. Um, South London Hardcore has taken a slight hiatus at the moment. I think Jack and Stephen are focusing on other pursuits. I know Jack has just had his second child. Congratulations. Um, I'm not, not entirely sure what Steve is up to, but they're both hugely talented, so no doubt they're busy with a lot of other things. Um... But back to the, the present day, it's been a lot of action recently at Dulwich. Um, we've both been going to different games, so we might have a quite a good mix of what's been going on. Um, the most recent game, I'll just admit it to Hugo, I got rather shit-faced at, was Hampton and Richmond away. 
Martin Tyler's Hampton and Richmond on Tuesday. Was it his fault? Well, you know, he's been getting in rather a lot of trouble recently, if you believe some, to be fair, made-up reports. He had a scuffle the other week. As I say, made up before there's any libel. So yeah, let's blame it on Martin Tyler. Everyone else seems to be blaming stuff on him at the moment. But yeah, this episode will go out after the Canby game, so apologies we've not covered that, but we're not miracle workers. Uh, so the Hampton game, we lost 2-1. Um, you know, I've never... I've not seen, I don't think, in my time of going to Dulwich, a different difference, a bigger difference between the first half and the second half of the game. Because, you know, Hampton's always a really tough away trip because the pitch isn't great. Apparently it's laid on an old natural spring apparently which is why it always cuts up I'm not sure if that's true or not well, very close to the river of course so yeah um, could be a tributary of the Thames perhaps perhaps there's probably a podcast for that kind of stuff let us know if you find one might be South London Hardcore actually um, but this time the pitch was actually alright uh, it had been recently relayed um, and we did take advantage of the better quality of the pitch, actually. And we started off really, really well. Um, Dan Sweeney grabbed his fourth goal in four games since moving from Kingstonian. What what a start to a career, just on a, on a side note. From midfield. Yeah. It's not even like he's playing up front. Um, he's a very interesting player, actually. He's about six foot two, maybe even bigger, maybe six foot three. And yet, he kind of plays in an advanced midfield role and has quite a nice touch. It's very strange, I think. He's got a strong look to him, hasn't he? Yeah. Um, He's quite wiry, but he doesn't get pushed off the ball much. So that's just his height. Um, but I think it was about 25 or 30 minutes gone, and um, he stooped to head in a cross at the back stick. I can't remember who crossed it off the top of my head. But um, it was a proper diving header, only a couple of yards off the ground. And that was 1-0. And then for the 10 minutes after that, we looked like potential champions. We really went for them. Ethan Pinnock hit a post. For those 10 minutes, considering the the form that Hampton had been on, we looked really, really good. But we got to half-time and uh, still only 1-0. In the second half, totally switched. Hampton were well on top. After about 15 minutes, they got a penalty. I think it was a penalty. I can't remember which way around. See, this is what I mean. Got quite hazy. I can't remember which way around the penalty was. And another goal. You know you said when you couldn't remember a game when two halves were more different. Was it just the case that you were sober in the first half and then... I think you might have called it. Yeah. Either way, we definitely conceded a penalty. And we definitely conceded again. And I think we probably almost conceded again. So in the second half, we really weren't great. Um, and then I actually even left about five or ten seconds before the final whistle to get the 2150 train from Hampton to Waterloo. So, it's lucky you remember the time of your train. Yeah. So anyway, that's probably the worst review of a match you've ever heard. Uh, so moving on. What was the last game you went to here? The last game I went to was Saturday's 4-1 victory over Brentwood. 4-0. Yeah, there you go, even better. You say Saturdays, but this is actually, what, two, three, two Saturdays ago. So we beat Brentford, Brent, Brent, 
We beat Brentwood 4-0. And then we lost 2-1 at Hampton. Mm-hmm. And then the game we just had is Canby. It's Canby. So you went to Brentford 4. Brentwood. Uh, Brentford 4. Jesus. Dulwich 4. Dulwich 4. Brentwood, Brentwood nil. nil. The game just before we spoke to Phil and Jamie. Mm-hmm. Thoughts? It was a comprehensive victory against a side who've had a very inconsistent start to their season by looking at the table and their results. Hadn't, hadn't drawn the game. Still haven't drawn the game. I think they won five, lost six or something. Yeah. So um, managed by Dean Holdsworth. Yeah. Wimbledon legend. Yeah. Um, this was the game where Danny Waldron got a brace, wasn't it? Yes. And you know started to show a bit of that ruthless form for which he was well known at, at Bromley. Um, and it's great to see Danny getting more involved in the goals. He seems to just really love playing football and there have been times when he's looked really pissed off when we've conceded, perhaps more so than any, and it's sort of on him to pick up pick up the slack and that seems to be what he's starting to do. So uh, he looks, he's a great header of the ball got a great attitude and I think we're talking about leaders all over the pitch Danny the captain is uh, it's a pretty good one to have Danny the captain leader Waldron yeah uh, who else scored in that game Danny grabbed two third goal was of course Callum Willock chested a loose ball down in the box and uh, absolutely hammered it into almost the top corner Probably about four or five foot up the net. Keeper didn't stand a chance, but it's one of those where you chest it, it's bounced, and then it's coming back up on the rise. And as it's coming on the rise, you kind of hit down on it, and it just arrows into the net. Yeah, really nice goal. I d- I'll be honest, I didn't think he had that kind of finish in him. I thought he was more of a poacher. Yeah, having watched a compilation video of his goals at Ebbsfleet, I can tell Did you... Did you ever think you'd be saying that? Well... <laughs> Um, I can tell you that your poacher analysis is pretty apt. Um, a lot of penalties, headers, tappings, and uh, you know this was a very acrobatic finish. So uh, nice to see, nice to see him get on on the score sheet again. I think it's the first goal since Merston. Could well have been, mm-hmm. and his goal at Merston was. A, a typical yeah yeah poacher's finish finish is actually flattering to be honest Callum <laughs> I think he sort of fell into the ball didn't he and it trickled over the line but having said that we seem to be playing at the moment with a very physical but also technically gifted midfield with the sort of big man up top and that approach seems to be working pretty well at the moment. The fourth goal against Brentwood was, of course, Van Sweeney. Mm-hmm. Cross was swung in. Jacob Erskine somehow managed to head it back into the six-yard box. And then uh, Dan Sweeney just poked it with his toe into the opposite bottom far corner across the keeper. Lovely finish, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I'm... I'm 
really happy with the signing and um, another another good signing from Kays, which is a Dan Sweeney signing does mean a possible. Do you think end to Jack Dixon's career at Dulwich? I hope not. Which kills me to say it. But um, yeah, it's been an unfortunate season so far for for Jack. Um, you know, we had to fill the gap in the midfield with him being injured again, and Dan Sweeney looks like a more than adequate replacement. But um, you know, let's see what happens. As, as we said with Jamie, it's, uh, it's a long season, and you know we're going to need to use the the breadth and depth of the squad to, uh, to get through to April. It's Friday the twenty third now, and I did actually see a tweet from Dicko last night saying he was back training. Good to hear. First time in months, so fingers crossed he will play a part. Um, we've waffled on for ages now, so we should probably head off. And also, there's quite a lot of free beer to be drunk. Uh, what's the building we're in? It's very. I feel like I'm a rabbit in a hut. I've never been in one of these kind of hot desk. Yeah, we're in glass um, panelled offices before. We're next to the Oxo Tower. Yeah. Uh, in Waterloo, keeping it south. Um, on Thursday evening, at. Dulwich Hamlet in the clubhouse we are hosting a quiz with Football Beyond Borders a London based charity um, who get disadvantaged kids into into sport and specifically football um, they've got a, a Football Beyond Borders schools programme uh, where they host training sessions after school which is which consists of one hour of classroom activities and one hour of pitch activities they've had an incredible year um, They've signed a couple of patrons. They've got Santi Cazorla. I think recently Yaya Torre is on board. <coughs> Guillaume Balaguer. Guillaume Balaguer. Pundit's been a long-term backer and um, Gab Marcotti's support of their work. Yeah. Um, Ellie Mengham from uh, Copper 90 was recently at an event they hosted. That was a Football for All event where they uh, presented a couple of their films of their activities over the last year. They've just had an incredible year and... To raise money, they host football quizzes. Um, it's a great idea. It costs £3 per person to enter. Uh, but they've had three or four so far, I think, this year. Um, they approached us a couple of months ago and asked us to help host one um, in deepest, darkest South London. So we are. And uh, it's from half past seven at Dulwich. Kickoff's half seven. I imagine the bar will probably be open a lot earlier than that. Um, yeah, we can't host the podcast, so I don't know how quite we're going to do a quiz, but come along and find out. We'll give it a go. It'll be hilarious to watch, hopefully. Um, it's for the the promos that we've made do say it's for passionate fans of the beautiful game. So if your favourite player is Wayne Rooney and you don't know where Peterborough play their home games, then it's probably not for you. Um, but if you do know how many goals Ivan Zamorano scored for Real Madrid in 1995, then it probably is for you. In fact, we've already had a team sign up who I think look like potential win- win- winners, which is the famous Andy Thomas and the almost as famous Greg Johnson and a couple of others. But don't let that put you off. It's only £3 per person. Teams of up to five. 
Um, we have asked people to let us know their teams before they turn up, but it doesn't really matter. If you if you want to turn up, just turn up with three quid, pay on the door, and make a team with whoever else. Uh, everyone's welcome. Um, so if you do fancy it, then come on along. Hopefully it'll be a fun night, and all, all proceeds do go to charity. There'll be a raffle at half-time of the quiz. We'll have prizes from ourselves. Might be a couple of t-shirts, maybe some scarves, uh, some prizes from the club. There might be a couple of season tickets and some prizes from the Dulwich Hamlet Supporters Trust. So probably some mugs, some t-shirts, more scarves, a pin bag if you're lucky. Whatever floats your boat. Yeah, we've had a great response from um, from the people we've asked for for prizes. So um, thank you to all of the above. Club owners Hadley have promised to give us something one booze related and two football related. Covers both bases, so... Yeah, you'd be sort of mate, wouldn't you? Massive lad. So, uh, yeah, do please come along, and um, we might even record a bit of it as well, so in case you can't come, we might record some of the best bits, just to show off the football knowledge that is there. And, uh, yeah, for now, that's probably it. Don't forget to get involved with us online. Our Facebook is Ford the Hamlet. Our Twitter is at Ford Hamlet. And the website is FordTheHamlet.com. As uh, we alluded to earlier, it was great to hear from uh, Jack McEnroy. Thank you very much. Uh, Jack McEnroy founded the Holdfast Network, of which we are proud to be a part of. And if you want some more quality podcasts, visit HoldFastNetwork.com. And we are very excited to introduce our new outro music i'm afraid robert malloy vaughan you have been replaced by chairman jack payne and sweet sounds from the other week at the clubhouse take it away jack